This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two just stupendous individuals that I know in my life. I'm blessed to know. Kara Shimborski. Hey. And Renee Rodriguez. What it do. Thank you both for joining me on this episode. I'm super excited. I'm feeling a little slap happy given the last like 10 minutes before we started recording. So I'm really excited about this episode. So let me ask the question that I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Oh, um, I've been busy, but good. Comic books are always the bright light in a very sort of regular cloudy day. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little bit of sun, but just a little bit of cloud, and comics just kind of push the clouds out of the way, all the way. This metaphor got weird. I'm sorry. Oh, I um, like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, comics are great. Been re- I uh, actually haven't been reading that much lately, but then this past week I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get me some comics, and it was, a, it was a good time. I got Tom Taylor's new Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number one and two, and uh, it's dope. Nice. It's fantastic. A lot of good moments between... Uh, Spider-Man and Johnny Storm, and it's a it's a fun read. The colors are great. Um, I really love the lettering and the panel shapes of it. Uh, paneling's brilliant. It, I, it's a good book. It yeah, I've heard some some good stuff. This is the new series after Chip Zdarsky took over, right? So this is or after Chip Zdarsky's run on it. This is like Tom Taylor's new stab at Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, and it's separate from Amazing Spider-Man, which is mm-hmm. Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley, which is a yes. whole separate thing, and they're taking over from Dan Slott, and they were like, and uh, I think Chip Zdarsky, Chip Zdarsky was doing um, Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. And so this is like, and they actually go into it at the end of the first issue. They're like, why do we need another Spider-Man book? Because Spider-Man <laughs> is amazing. That's why, people, if you don't think so, fight me. Whatever. I'm wow. just kidding. I'm kidding. We don't have to fight. <laughs> Spider-Man wouldn't want that. Correct. But that's fun. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, I, I, have, I haven't read a Spider-Man comic in a very long time, and you are kind of my go-to, is Spider-Man still good person? So let me ask that question. Is Spider-Man still good? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's good. He's just doing <laughs> his best. Spider-Man's always such a good boy. Yes. I mean, I mean are, are the comics good? Um. So the for Amazing Spider-Man, the tone kind of shifted a little bit and it's not bad it's just different it takes some getting used to but i think that you know they've established now what they're going to do with the series and so i'm just really excited to see what nick spencer and ryan otley are going to do with that now friendly neighborhood spider-man establishes itself just first off as very different and it's got that more of like um like kind of what hawkeye and she hulk and you know the ant-man series from a couple years ago that just that kind of superheroes doing stuff outside of being a superhero but there's still some superhero stuff in it that kind of like uh i I like to refer to it as the manic monday um kind of series (laughs) and this is this is actually because there was a series that i read back when i was in uh middle school it was a spider-man series it was a three-part series called just another manic monday and all these series kind of have that same kind of feel to it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's another Manic Monday book. But it's great. It's funny. It's got like, oh, Monday's kind of vibe. But also it's just, <laughs> it's fun. But it's also a Spider-Man book, right? Yeah, it's also a Spider-Man book. So, I mean, the quips are great. Moments are fantastic. It's good. It's like, you know, it's like the fun mom of comic books. You just, you're just kind of glad she's there at the party. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Well, Kara, how about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading? How have I been? Well, Mike, it's so kind of you to ask because this episode is releasing on February 13th, which is my birthday. So, (gasps) surprise! It's my birthday episode. (laughs) That's me if I had like a horn. (laughs) So, I'm a year older. Thank you for asking. (laughs) And another year wiser. Early birthday. Well, well, this episode is releasing on my birthday, so you should be saying happy birthday. Thank you. Yes, yeah, happy it. birthday to be canonically on time. <laughs> Felicidades. Oh, gracias. So uh, for my birthday episode book, I read Prince of Cats by Ronald Wimberly, which mm-hmm. Tia recommended to, I think, all of us a million years ago. Yeah. And yeah. I impulse bought it, but then didn't read it for like six months. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally read it, and it lives up to the hype that she gave it. Prince of Cats is Romeo and Juliet, but focusing on Tybalt. 
and set in 1980s Brooklyn and everyone is part of this like samurai fighting ninja fighting thing. So like all the sword yes. fighting is with katanas and mm -hmm. like all the Shakespearean dialogue has been updated to be more like early hip hop rap inspired. So it like fits the atmosphere a little bit better. But and it still has that like Shakespearean feel to it, right? It's oh, all totally. written in iambic, iambic pentameter, pentameter, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like some of the dialogue is updated to reference Coney Island and yeah. the LIRR and stuff like that. So uh, it's great. Tia's right. It's totally <laughs> worth your money and time. And it's just like, like I, I read it and I feel like I need to read it like five more times to really get at what's happening. But it did reaffirm for me what I knew to be true when I first read Romeo and Juliet as a middle schooler, which is Tybalt is the best. He's yep, this like, he's this eloquent, like snotty firebrandy idiot who likes getting into fights he's basically like if we're casting romeo and juliet characters as teenage mutant ninja turtles he's Raphael. so obviously <laughs> i like him <laughs> uh so i really i really enjoyed the book the colors are really uh bright and saturated but a lot of the action takes place at night so there's a lot of just like dark backgrounds but the characters are illuminated by all this um all these like like I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking these like purples and pinks and blues to make this really atmos this atmosphere that feels like you should be watching an old school music video, but it's a comic. Yeah, yeah a lot of neon colors in that book that make everything pop, especially the action. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read so. that book recently as well because I saw that Tia was on uh slim's podcast faves and they were talking about that and i was like well i gotta read this before i listen to that episode uh -huh. and yeah i recently read that as well i i enjoyed bits and pieces of it i think like again i think it warrants another another read on my part mm -hmm. for sure for sure that's very fun very beautiful I, book i just can't get over thinking of like Raphael saying things as tibble but like, <laughs> but like the voice actor that voiced Raphael in like the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, <laughs> just like yes. with a hard Brooklyn accent, and he's just like, I mean, I can't this even... does take place in Brooklyn. I know, because yeah. he's like, you know, he's just got it. But then he's also just like, as I hate death, <laughs> and I can't even do it. I can't even go through it. I know what you're getting at, Renee. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, for me, I've been pretty all right um, hanging out. I haven't read a lot of comics, but I did sit down and I've been, I've been trying to finish uh, Harlem Hellfighters, which we talked about last week. But on a whim, I was like, oh, I've got all these Rick and Morty comics that I've just been sitting on for a while. So I read through my backlog of Rick and Morty issues number 37 through 45. I don't really want to go into the story plot pieces of that because it's kind of like if you're not reading Rick and Morty, you're not going to get any of it. But if you are a fan of Rick and Morty, I really can't recommend this comic enough. Um, I, I enjoy the Rick and Morty show. I'm not one of those people that's like, this is the smartest television show that's ever been made. Look at the way that it points <laughs> at pop culture. Like, I'm not going to do that because I think it has its own flaws and stuff. But that being said, it is a fun little comedy. And the comics, this is like Kyle Starks, Teeny Howard, a um, handful of artists. And I feel like a couple of other people also wrote some little short stories in these. It all takes that that feeling of goofiness and like sarcastic cynicism that is Rick and Morty and really, really nails it. I think Kyle Starks really has a voice or he really gets like the voice of all of the characters down really, really well. And his co-writers as well, Teeny Howard, um, Mags Visaggio, like all sorts of people that have been on this book, they all get it. And 45 issues later, I'm still into it. I'm still digging every single issue. Um, Rick and Morty comics really they just work for me I don't know what it is um, but I think I had like a whole bunch of issues to catch up on and it was kind of nice to just have some laughs at one in the morning while I was just sitting and reading comics so uh, yeah Rick and Morty comics are a lot of fun I don't know if you guys read or watch that show or into that stuff at all but of the all the licensed comics out there this is the one that I enjoy the most I yeah I don't know I, I just feel like there's so much weird negativity around that show so totally. i so i just never started watching it because i didn't that didn't appeal to me yeah but I, I, I understand I the show itself has like like you said there's 
some really witty, relevant parts, but I feel like there's this miasma of toxicity around it that I just don't want to get involved with. Yeah, and this is why Sorry, I that to keep... sounded really snobbish, but no, it's no, no, no. It's totally true because this is why I like distance myself from it. I don't really like talking about Rick and Morty with anyone. <laughs> I just want to enjoy it for myself. I don't want to read anything anybody has to say about it. I just kind of want to take it in my own in my own way. You know what? So, That's fair too. You don't yeah, have to it... be part of a fandom to be a fan. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, anyways, let's talk about comics that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are dropping in the United States on February 13th, 2019. What are you both excited for this week? Let's start with you, Kara. Wonder Twins number one from DC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say it like that? <laughs> because it's the Wonder Twins from, like, my experience of the Wonder Twins is watching the Super Friends reruns on Cartoon Network in the 90s, and they're like... The the dweeby teenage aliens who are part of the super friends and they mm -hmm. have these rings and they've got these powers and so they'll put their rings together and say Wonder Twin powers activate and like one of them can turn into any form of water and one of them can turn into any animal and like this was obviously parodied to great effect on Family Guy a few times mm -hmm. <laughs> and um and my my uh, other experience with the Wonder Twins was they were. They were brought into the mid-2000s run of Teen Titans, but, like, as part of the gritty reboot, and they have this Wonder Dog, but Wonder Dog was, like, evil and, like, totally ate one of them, and there was this really, <laughs> really carnage-filled spread about it, and I was like, no, like, <laughs> this is, like, no, like, you don't have to gritty up the Wonder Twins, like, calm the fuck down. Yeah. Um. So I thought you meant the cartoon. <laughs> No! And then I was like, oh yeah, that no. happened in the comics. No, it was the comics, Renee, not the cartoon. Oh my god. So, <laughs> apparently, DC has decided that it is time once more for us to all collectively enjoy the Wonder Twins. Uh, but the solicit for the first issue seems sort of promising. They're like, It sounds like they're sort of letting them be dweeby alien teenagers, and they're just like going to high school in Metropolis, and Superman's keeping an eye on them. And I'm like, okay. All right. As long sounds as like fun. Yeah, that sounds delightful. Like, just don't let one of them get mauled by Wonder Dog again, please. That was really scarring. <laughs> who's, who's writing that book? Here. Oh, God. Uh, I didn't even look. I just saw the title, and I was like, oh, so that one. <laughs> this is Mark Russell with art by Stephen Byrne. And I don't know either of those names, but I do like the cover of this book. So Yeah, it looks cute. I, I remember I saw like uh, I saw the writer explaining like what he was going to do with the series like months ago. I don't even remember where, but I was like, "All right, I see you. I see you. Yeah, I'm actually, great. I'm actually all for the Wonder Twins, and it's purely because they showed up in an episode of Smallville, I think, in like season nine. Oh my god! <laughs> and they made them dope. They were great, and they weren't like Wonder Twins activate. They just went activate, and they like just fist fist bumped, and then it was all dope. Right. It was great. I would watch that episode of Smallville. I don't remember what it was, but you listen, know. I'm like, I'm like, bring back the Wonder Twins. Let's do it. Like they're the minor characters that will never die because so many people just kind of like have an awareness of them. They're like weirdly yeah. one of the like I'm waiting for DC to make a movie out of them because they're actually two of the characters that people probably like recognize, even if they don't right. quite know why. Kind of like Aquaman. That's... Like, who knew anything about Aquaman except for what you saw in Super Friends? It's the same thing with Wonder Twins. Let's give the Wonder Twins their own wet Thor version movie. See, this is exactly where I'm coming from because I don't, I've never read or seen anything with the Wonder Twins, but I know exactly what they can do. Yeah. Like, some something in my in my life, in my 30 years of living, like, I, I witnessed something with the Wonder Twins and was like, they can turn into dogs? <laughs> See, it's like embedded in everyone's subconscious. Like DC needs to monetize this crap. Like, give us a Wonder Twins right. movie. Right. I'm ready. Let's jump that shark. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man, Renee, what are you excited for this upcoming week? Well, now I'm excited for Wonder Twins. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm I'm always excited for manga, and this week it was really hard because it's it's always hard trying to talk about manga on this show. Not because you guys are mean, but because I don't want to spoil things. Um, right, because I know you want me to read this book that you're going to talk about right now, and I'm only two volumes in. Oh, I was so I actually chose this because I I was like I was like oh you know what I should choose Haikyuu, and then I ended up reading it, and then I was like oh balls, 
Well, I can't say <laughs> what I'm excited for now because I already read it. Oh, and, uh, oh okay, okay. It's so good, though. And then I didn't want to do My Hero Academia because Mike's still not caught up. I don't want to lose. Okay. So what did so you choose, Renee? Renee? What did you pick? Just talk about what, what you, you picked. Pick, I, ta- I picked Black Clover, Chapter 192. We're not even mm-hmm. at 200 chapters yet, and things are nuts. Um, and this is a book by Yuki Tabata. It's amazing. It's uh, fantastic. And it is go time. We are now at like a very classic sort of um, staple in manga where they're chasing after the bad guy and they have to try and get to the final one. But they're like, oh, guess what? He's got like six captains. <gasps> but we have six <laughs> members on our team. <gasps> are we going to split up and fight them? You're darn tootin' yar. So... <laughs> I'm yeah, I read Bleach too. Renee, yeah. I have a question. Uh-huh. You said it's not even chapter 200 and things are getting real. Is chapter 200 like about the time when things usually get real in manga? I mean, generally, yeah. So like 200 chapters is a huge thing. Like 100 chapters is really big. And so uh, like there's a lot of series that don't get over 100 chapters. And so they end up having like like the big ones, the big rounded numbers as huge things and if they get there that's generally when they try to do a huge push for the series so if you like walk into any manga series and you're like oh if it's going to be around chapter 100 chapter 150 chapter 200 that's generally where there's a big shift in the arc and things like get really serious so renee for those of us who don't regularly read manga with these chapters renee (laughs) Oh come on! So oh come these, on, Renee. With with these chapters, that's like not the full like manga that we think of when we in America think of manga. That's like there's like six or seven chapters in one of the books. Yes. So so this so two hundred would be like twelve of those. Uh, hold on, something something like that. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of varies. I, I I'll speak it's like a little It's bit definitely here. more than that because like I own, okay. Well, I'm I just own... trying to figure out like for a new reader, you saying chapter 192. I'm like I'm not reading it like uh, like 200 chapters of yeah. something to get caught up. But like if it's like a more manageable chunk, because like I can knock out a manga if I'm not paying too close attention to it in like an hour or two so if you say like oh that's like 12 manga i'm like cool next time i have like a 100 bucks to drop on books i'll just bomb through that like that feels more manageable for when i have money to burn which sometimes happens maybe yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well the way that i go about it is because it is definitely more than like 12 i own the first 10 volumes of black clover and i've actually like fallen off i think they're at volume 15 in the united states um so the way that I go about it is that because they space them out from the releases of the volumes, they're like three months apart on release dates so that they're like, oh, you know, you can take the time to read it. And also the books are only like $10 a piece. So it's it's pretty manageable, especially if you're not dropping like $80 a week on comics. Well, I know, because um, when I think about it like that, I'm like, okay, so a regular like U.S. floppy is what, $4 now? So yeah. for the price of two floppies, which is like 64 pages total, you're getting a manga, which is like over 100 pages. So it's Yeah, like, yeah. A manga, a manga is yeah. generally seven to eight um, chapters per volume, and each chapter is 18 to 22 pages. Um, so you're getting a pretty good deal, especially since it's only for $10. But... Um, if you are subscribed to Shonen Jump, like I am, um, you can get the weekly updates. Uh, so they, they come out with chapters weekly unless like there's a holiday or if the writer's on break. And um, so you can get a simulcast with Japan. So the same day that it's released in Japan, it's released here. You can get it on your app, on the computer, on the phone. Um, and so you can read it. And they also have a new deal with Shonen Jump where you can actually read all the old chapters. So... If you spend like 25 bucks for the whole year, you can literally just take your time, go through the series, and then catch oh, up. So that's super cost effective then. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it's, two, it's $2 a month to read any English manga. released chapter that's ever been made pretty much by Shonen. For the most, like that's been a released digitally. It's, it's a wild that's wild. Deal. Yeah. yeah. And they're still updating constantly, true. Like they're still uploading the things that they have translated to it. So there are certain series where you're like, oh yeah, all of it's on there. And like some of it is like only partially on there, but it gets you huh. into it and you can, you know, just wait for the updates. So, so when I'm saying that like I'm excited for this chapter, that's because I'm reading um the weeks. So I'm going by Got but it. I am I am also buying the Tonko Bonds, but it's it's easier to be like, oh, this is the chapter that's coming out because right, it's right, right. 
it's similar to a single issue or a floppy, as you say. Um, no, this is fascinating. We're learning about a new a new section of comics that we don't often talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like we talk about it every time I'm on here. <laughs> well, Renee, well, that's what happens when you develop a niche. Yeah, hey, and you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think we've talked about little pieces of it here and there, but I, I to Kara's point, I think it's it's something to remind people that hey, like you can get into manga pretty easily. Shonen, like Shonen Jump and like Sheshwa in Japan, they make it really easy to get into a lot of their stuff for a very very low cost. If you don't want to try to track down books at the library, like me trying to get Black Clover, for instance, was really really tough at the library because they didn't have all of them. They only had the first three volumes in their whole circulation. I know there's more volumes than that. Yeah. Um, but me getting this subscription means that I can just read Black Clover from pretty much beginning to end on their on their app, chapter by chapter, which is really nice, and download it to my phone and keep them offline and stuff. It's really nice. Yeah, and I don't know if if um, any I don't know if Shoujo does that because like it's it's all technically through Viz, but like they yeah, have Viz, they have separate yeah. stuff through like Shoujo Shoujo Beat. They have uh, Shonen Sunday. They have Sanin Magazine. So Shonen Jump is where the deal is right now, but like you can still like it's really accessible to get all their books through them. And then Kodansha is another one that is also really nice too, but they don't have that same kind of service. Yeah. I mean, but they do offer week to week. If you want to buy them digitally, you can buy them through Comixology or through the Kodansha website. And they, this is the publisher who makes like Attack on Titan and a couple of other pretty big name ones that are out there. Yeah. And like uh, the issue that you can buy per weekly, I think is it's also still cheaper than like buying a floppy. Yeah, definitely. But Mike, what did you read this week? <laughs> well, uh, what I'm excited for this week is Age of X-Men, Next Gen number one. I'm going to be talking about these Age of X-Men books for the next couple of weeks. I'm sorry, everyone. This is Ed Brisson and Marcus Toe. Uh, this is actually one of the miniseries in the Age of X-Men big event that's happening in the X-Men books that I'm really excited about. Um, the reason why this issue focuses on some of my favorite backseat characters i want to call them the some of the student characters that don't get a lot of um major press in the books and they kind of building up to age of x-men it seemed like kelly thompson ed brisson and lonnie nadler and zach thompson all the people that were involved in building this whole series up or this event up they were like hey we're going to focus not only on the big names your night crawlers your kitty prides we're also going to focus on glob thurman who is the see-through man who's just a big pink blob and you can see a skeleton or armor who is the girl who can make like crazy weird plasma armor around her body or a knoll who is strong and looks like a lizard question mark uh, i don't know all of his powers and rock slide who's just a giant rock man I, these are characters i fell in love with during the new x-men academy x era of x-men books right after grant morrison's new x-men there was like this book that focused on just the kids in the school and like x-23 showed up and hellion and there was a whole bunch of these students that were kind of the core cast of characters and they kind of fell to the wayside and they had some moments where they were brought up but they never had a focused book and age of x-men next gen is going to be all about them and apparently this book is going to be about what is maybe not so great about living in this utopia of Age of X-Men where, for those of you not following Age of X-Men, everybody's a mutant and everything's good for mutants, kind of, for the most part. Like, mutants are all, like, the popular race and everybody wants to be a mutant and hang out with mutants and there's a cool school and they're all respected, but there's some very strange, weird things happening in the background that we have yet to fully discover and we saw a preview of that in the Age of X-Men one-shot that came out, I think, a week ago two weeks ago maybe i gotta so, say yeah. mike i i really like books like this like what you're describing where they focus on we'll call them c or d list characters sure, sure because like they're the ones that usually end up getting actual character development like all yeah. of the top name characters for dc and marvel nothing ever really truly changes the status quo for them because they're a valuable IP and they need to keep making money on merchandise and movies and stuff. But mm -hmm. the less quote unquote popular characters at the big two, when they get focused on things can actually happen to them because like the companies don't really care. So I always personally find those stories much more interesting. Yeah. Than I'm, I'm the right headliners. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there has been a screaming fan base around some of these characters <laughs> uh particularly glob thurman who 
really want to see some character development, really want to see these characters being used in, as more than just a punchline. Um, because Glob Thurman is always kind of depicted in the comics as like this weird creeper because you can always see where his eyes are and where they're looking. <laughs> and he, he's he's always had like just like one-off side moments where he gets a panel or he gets like a, maybe half a page. And the fact that this book was referenced in the one shot that leads up to this whole event um, as saying, you want to know what Glob's up to? Check out this book, which I'm like, hell yeah, I want to know what Glob's <laughs> up to. You tell me what Glob's up to. I also just like saying his name because it's a goofy name. <laughs> <laughs> it is a goofy um, name. But yeah, so I'm really excited for this book. I think this is going to be one of the more fun um, miniseries. Ed Brisson, he he is one of the people that is on all of the X-Men books right now, and I haven't read a bad book by him. So I'm really excited to see what he does with all of these misfit um, youngsters because they are they are the best. I love them so much. They are my favorite babies from that go to school. If there was a romance novel written based on this series, it would be called Glob the Heartthrob. (laughs) Before we start our episode this week, I have to do a couple shout-outs to the fantastic human beings out there who went to our Patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast and decided that they wanted to become a regular backer of this show so shout outs to keith shout outs to kyle and shout outs to tom you guys are absolutely amazing and oh my goodness we have some fantastic content coming just for you patreon subscribers actually i think in like a week we have our first episode of a new thing coming out so get hyped if you haven't already go over to patreon.com slash ircb podcast even if you back us at the lowest two dollar tier you get access to all this brand new patreon only content it's fantastic but let's move on from there let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about this week which is food in manga it's such a broad topic i had to ask a million questions before we actually started recording this second half of the show to say we're going to talk about what makes food and manga great what makes it bad when do we like it when don't we like it why is it awesome and why is it such a big deal in manga there's so much so many food things in manga and we're here to talk about all of it which is why we have our resident manga expert on the show renee (laughs) as well as me i read quite a bit of manga myself so let's ask that big question what makes manga so great when it comes to food like there are whole manga just about food Renee, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with food and manga? Um, yes, well, I have read manga, obviously. <laughs> Thank you. Kara, could you tell us? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Renee, tell us, tell us about some of this stuff. Well, I think that, like, so food is a very important, it's a really big part of any culture because food's like, you know, it's delicious and that's also how you get nutrients and things like that. Right. And so yeah. it's kind of important. And most of the time, manga artists, they... You know, they don't really like to skimp on anything when they're drawing. And I think food is is also really important. And I think it also comes back to sort of like the way food's depicted in other art. Like if you ever watch like one of those stop motion like movies, like uh, any of the Christmas ones, like whenever you Mm -hmm. see someone bite into a cookie, you're like, oh, man, that's the perfect bite. I want every cookie I bite into to be like that. And I think it comes into that same way. With manga, when you see a character eating food, you want it. You want it to be appetizing, not just for the character, but for whoever's reading it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it just, you know, it's almost like eating vicariously through the character as well. But I also just think it's just, just to show off that, like, yeah, I can draw this. This is, you know, I don't want to do anything half-assed. Right. Right. I mean, I think one of the things I noticed when I first started reading, like, more manga beyond just Bleach, for instance, right? <laughs> Bleach is maybe a bad example for food in manga, even though it is a, it's, like, kind of a small piece of it. But I started reading Delicious in Dungeon, which, you know, I've talked about on the show a million times. But the thing that makes this book so unique and totally blew my mind was there's kind of this cartoony style to the whole book, and everything's, like, very nice. And not to say that it's a cart, like, it's bad by any means but there's not like a ton of detail done to all the characters and it's it's got like what you would think of a manga would look like but there are some moments where you can see the intricate detail that the artist put into this this is by Ryoko Kui and the the food by itself is like a standalone I could rip that out of the book and put it on my wall it's so beautifully drawn but the rest of it is just is very simple line art in some cases um, a lot of action and stuff but 
whenever the food is depicted, it is pristine. And I've always wondered, like, why that's such a big deal, because after I started noticing it in Delicious and Dungeon, I started to notice there are tons of other manga that do this exact same thing, even when the comic's not even about food. They'll spend a ton of time making sure that that shot of, you know, the the rice bowl with the katsu on top and, the you know, all that stuff, it looks pristine, and then they'll go back to doing, like, goofy jokes in the next page. It's such an interesting thing, um... I just, I, I've always, I wanted to just point point that out because it's such a thing that happens in comics. It's always impressed me. Well, the, the thing is the difference, I think, between food in manga and food in other comic forms is that in manga, they take time to showcase the food, usually in its own panel, like someone opens their their bento box lunch and there's like a full panel just dedicated to how beautiful and sparkling (laughs) that food looks and i think that's the difference because like maybe characters in western comics will be shown eating or maybe there will be food shown but japanese manga like like you said so like noticeably way more than western comics takes time to highlight that food and to celebrate that food and i think some of it is just I think there's more attention to aesthetic when it comes to food in Japanese culture than in American culture. Um, like there's, you know, if you go into a, like a Japanese hundred yen store or something, you can get like little little molds for like turning your rice into different shapes. And right, you can like right. make sushi with different like little shape cutouts and stuff. And it's just every, like you can get like a little uh, hot dog slicer that turns your little hot dogs into octopi. Like there's there's all this stuff <laughs> to make your food look cute. So it's not surprising to me that that is reflected in the manga. My my first like the first time I think I really noticed food in manga was in Sailor Moon because mm-hmm. that's how mm-hmm. Sailor Moon and Sailor Jupiter became friends because Sailor Moon loves to eat uh, food and she like Sailor Jupiter was like the new girl at school she's like taller than everyone so she's still wearing her old uniform so she just looks different from everyone but Sailor Moon notices that she like opens her lunch box and has like the most beautiful food spread so you're just like zooming in on how gorgeous this food looks because Sailor Moon's like salivating over it. And she comes over to Sailor Jupiter and is like, oh my God, your food looks so good. Let's be friends. And so they become friends because she wants to eat the delicious food that Sailor Jupiter like packed for herself. And I'm just like, <laughs> you started a friendship over food. Relatable. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, I kind of I kind of also think that like maybe it's the artist living vicariously through like what they want to eat. Because like, especially mangaka starting out, they, <laughs> they're like kind of poor then like they don't really make a lot of money at first unless the series is a huge hit so i think maybe they're just drawing all the things they want to eat and they're just like yeah (laughs) and maybe there's steam coming out of oh what if there's a sauce and there's a side of rice and they're just like (laughs) you know they probably ruin a couple manuscripts just from drooling yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, they I'm they having, themselves become cartoons. I'm like thinking about the food in manga, and I'm drooling right now. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. I'm gonna like have to go out and get sushi after this. This is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is why like I've always I've always seen that Food Wars manga. Right? I know that that's that's a pretty big food manga. It's, it's all about like being a chef and competitive cooking and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's even the covers of this book. They're they're showing like these manga style characters serving this very intricately drawn fish dish on the cover and it's it's way more detailed than the rest of the cover itself but the food itself is like it's the big selling point and obviously for a food manga you want to do that but i've seen that even in manga like drops of god which is all about wine this is a manga that's all about trying these different wines and stuff maybe i brought this up on the show before but when the character goes into discussing how the wine tastes not only is the like atmosphere of whatever they're describing very, very intricately drawn, like a nice forest with a lush tree and there's moss growing on this side and served on top of a tree trunk is like this delicious gourmet meal with it's got liver in it and there's onions and oh wait, there's also some flowers and all. it's like way, way more detailed than the rest of the manga. And not to say that that's a simplistic manga by any means, but comparatively, those images that are shown, like it must take them whole days just to draw those two-page spreads compared to the rest of the chapter that they were writing. It, it always blows my mind. Um, like it's, it must be something, it, it, there, there's definitely something there to be said, like 
that there is so much care put into it to make you not only read the descriptions of these things, but also you get a full picture of of what they're actually trying to portray, more so than just using the words to describe it. You know, something that we always talk about works really well in comics is the imagery, and it's like, if you're really trying to sell this food or whatever you're trying to sell, like, these intricate drawings can just blow your mind and make an entire volume of a manga, like, a manga volume worthwhile. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of weird because it's, like, it's not, like, for advertising or anything. Like, they don't, most of the time, oh, right. they don't specify, like, hey, this is at this shop that I like to go to. And, like, most <laughs> right, of the time, right. it's just kind of, like, they make up their own thing. But it's actually kind of funny. So, in a manga called Hikaru No Go, um... There's a there's a water bottle that one of the characters drinks out of, and it's an actual like real brand. And like the artist just was just like, oh, I drink this brand, so I'm going to put it on the bottle. And then the company actually noticed and sent the mangaka like a couple bottles of it, and they're like, hey, thanks for the shout out. <laughs> but that like that normally doesn't happen, so they're just like, it's not for ad. They're just doing it for the heck of it. it right. Goofy. Hungry now, you guys. Like, I know. Yeah, not, yeah. not eating before it. this was a huge mistake. Yeah, I'm glad that I did eat before this. I gotta tell you, Mike, you really sold me on this Drops of God series that you were just talking about. So, like, the, okay, so the most unfortunate, like, I realize this isn't like one of the strongest topics that we've had on the show, but I'm totally fine with talking about some of the manga that involved this because I think it's like people should be reading more manga in general. I think if you're a comics fan, manga definitely works. It's just slightly different than what you're used to. But Drops of 100% God, that agree. D- Drops of God is the most unfortunate series in the world because Why? I think it's. What, it, the, re- the reason being is it's there's only four volumes out of the, I think, 22 volumes published in English, and they don't print them anymore, right? Like, this was a, vol- a series that didn't do well, I think, when they brought it over to America, and so we're never, potentially never going to see them actually published in English beyond the four volumes that came out. And the worst part about it is, like, the first three volumes are actually the first three volumes in the series, and the fourth volume is, like, volume 13 or something, because they were like, oh, no, the story actually kicks it up a notch in volume 13, so let's put that out as volume four, but they don't call it volume four. It's it's such a cool series teaching you about how to drink wine and where wine comes from and what makes it interesting, why, you know, wine from the north part of France tastes different than the south side of France, even though they are made from the same grapes. It's like, it's called this... terroir, Mike. I want to read this series. Do I have <laughs> to learn Japanese to do it? No, no, no. Well, I mean, it's it's I, the first four volumes are out there. I don't know if they're sold digitally. Um, you might be able to get them at the library, but it's such a cool series. I just I haven't been able to find any more. And the publisher that was making it or bringing it over from Japan, Vertical, is kind of like I think they're still publishing stuff, but I think they're publishing less. And Drops of God, I think, didn't make the cut. So I don't know. Maybe there are English versions out there. I don't want to advocate for piracy because you totally shouldn't pirate comics. But like, I don't know how else to get this series. And I'm super hooked on it. It's on my bookshelf right now. And I'm just so bummed that I can't read it. But honestly, the art is gorgeous. And then there's these very detailed pages that are just mind-blowing well because it sounds like it's one of those books that's also like sort of teaching you while you're reading a story which is my favorite kind of comic just manga in general (laughs) (laughs) they're trying to teach you all the time that's why there's these huge spreads of just words because they're like this is how it actually works even if it's a made-up system but that's great i like oh man this is like i want to learn stuff but I want to not realize that I'm learning stuff because I'm so entertained. Oh, man, Kara, yeah. you need to read Dr. Stone then. Holy cats. <laughs> <laughs> so Drops of God is interesting because I, I think that the story on the whole is pretty standard, right? The story is... <laughs> I'm just going to go into this. are standard. There's so many... Like, every story is from, like, a basic template of humanity yeah, yeah, and yeah. stories that we've done. It's all just, it's all about the details that make uh, the But I should say, it, it kind of... It does follow, like, the standard shown in tropes, right? There is a character who isn't a part of a world, and then he's forced into that world, and he has to compete with someone who's his greatest rival, and if they both... You know, they're both on a basically a race to try to figure out this thing, and whoever gets there first inherits a billion dollars. That's, like, the story, or this the main character's dad's estate. He was one of the greatest like wine tasters in the world and his his protege is competing with his son and turns out all of his sons like uh his his whole upbringing made him this great wine taster and so they're both trying to find these quote-unquote drops of god which is the greatest wine that this this uh 
wine taster had ever tasted and the 13 apostles or 12 apostles, um, which are the 12 other great wines. And they're from all over the world, from Australia to California to France and Italy. And all these people apparently in this guy's life all have different takes and thoughts about different wines. And so he learns about wines as you, the reader, are learning about wines. And his best friend is this young girl who's a sommelier in training. It's 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 got all this really fun stuff in it. I but I don't know if it was that popular. I'm in. It's, it's really good. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm so in. By the way. I mentioned. Yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, it's uh, now, I think it's owned by Kodansha Comics now. And there's actually another volume past volume four that is out. <gasps> and it's available yes. on Kindle, Comixology, and all these other things. It's called Drops of God Volume New World. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, that's the fourth volume, I think. Uh, no, because volume four is, uh, It's I'm looking at it. There's one, two, three, four, and then it says more, The Drops there's of God, more. volume new world. So, oh, my, you're changing my brain. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, literally so Mike, just you had, code <laughs> You had mentioned Food Wars, Mike, and that one I actually have a passing awareness of because my best friend, who doesn't usually read manga or comics, found that because she loves food so much and she like her hobby is like baking stuff and cooking and like she's the person who introduced me to great british bake-off and i I know she she is a devoted food wars reader and when she gets a new volume she'll text me and be like i'm so hungry (laughs) because it's like it's like you said like just there's so much detail paid attention to how the food is being depicted which is great mm-hmm. because you know this is a soul this is a wholly visual medium so how do you convey how delicious something is supposed to be if the reader can't smell it or taste it which are usually the senses that we associate with food that right, you put right. all of this insane detail into presenting the food in the most flattering way possible yeah mm-hmm. and also uh chokugeki no soma also goes even beyond sorry i'm sorry that is the name for food wars in Japanese. I it just slipped out. I'm a weeaboo. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you gotta just mumble Third through Renee. it too. I was very like, I was like, what is he talking? Okay, about? what so is he talking about? The series is called Shokugeki no Soma, and a Shokugeki gotcha. is the actual like battle that they do at the school. It's called it's so that's what the food war is in the series. Okay. It's called a Shokugeki. And the main character's name is Soma, so it's basically saying like Soma does food wars kind of thing gotcha gotcha but um so in in the series uh they go even beyond just like like drawing it and and looking at it or whatever they show you all the prep work that they did and then they also have people that taste the food and they explain it to you with just great detail and it just it's they they explain like how the meat is what the flavors are in the sauces the texture of it so that you sort of get an even better feeling of what it's supposed to feel like and taste like in your mouth while also looking at it and they also like do these close-ups of them cutting it or whatever and if there's something inside them like if there's like a sauce or a yolk inside it like they'll show it break and there's like a beam of light it's all it's a real production but, I should have eaten before I started this episode too, man. This was a bad idea today, guys. <laughs> and then this is this is the main thing that got Shokugeki on the map, especially in the internet, is that whenever something's really good, it knocks people's clothes off. <laughs> oh, and they have right. kind of like a like a sexual experience because they taste it, and then in the anime, it's really bad. So like you know, don't crank the volume on it because <laughs> they're just all like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, um, it's it's very reader weird. beware, I guess. Yeah, and this is a shonen series. This show comes up in Shonen Jump, which is like, you know, they it's not a seinen magazine, but it's like, yo, like, <laughs> chill out. There are children yeah. reading this. I yeah, know. Exactly. Like, I first I thought it was a seinen mag- magazine because my my friend told me about it, and then I read it. He was like, he's like, look, it's weird. There's a lot of weird descriptions, and there's a lot of semi-nakedness, but it's good, I swear. And he's <laughs> and he's right. And you know what? I still it's still one of my weekly mangas that I read that I'm current on. It's good. Gotcha. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of get the like. It's it's kind of like a, a an overt visual 
thing to like have people's clothes knocked off so that they can show them having kind of like this sexual experience while eating food but also like that's kind of not far off the mark like if you have a really good meal like it is a really like delicious carnal experience sometimes like maybe not quite like maybe maybe not quite to like the knocking your clothes off level but like Oh man, a good meal is like just the best. So if that's the like the way that they thought of to visually represent that, like that is just one of the joys of comics. You can make a, a visual <laughs> yeah. allegory for what you're really getting at. One of totally. one of my favorite ones is a character who like he he keeps his clothes on, but if it's really good and he feels that it's really good, all the people around him will have their clothes knocked off. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what? <laughs> because the the, the hormones Mike. The, yes, the thing yes. is, they're all the surprised. Like they're like, like, what does he think? Oh, I'm naked. <laughs> it must be really good. Uh, but, not, but I mean, not all manga they, are like this. You're <laughs> so right. Right. Are you sure, Renee? I, not all the manga I read are like this. Let me see. Yeah. That. You know, and, you know, Renee, you brought up one one example that I I saw that I, I totally forgot about and I have it because I haven't finished the series but um, Assassination Classroom is one that I've been meaning to get back on the you know on the train for and I forget that Koro-sensei he makes Koro-sensei being the iconic yellow character that you see who's out to destroy the world uh, but he's willing to give the world a chance if some kids will try to kill him it's a whole weird concept let's just get past that but he does enjoy food and he does enjoy making food with all of his weird tentacles that he has and that and it's always presented really really well um and i i think it's such a funny thing because he's supposed to be an alien character and yet he recognizes that earth has all this great food and so he goes way out of his way sometimes in order to prepare like really really solid meals while these kids are also trying to kill him with these special BB guns that they have. My favorite is when he goes somewhere else for lunchtime because he can he can travel at like Mach 20. So he's like, yeah. I'm going to quick jump over to France and uh, get some escargot. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, oh, I hit up China on the way back. Got some snacks. And he's just like just munching on them. But he also steals, thing, yeah. he steals their snacks too. And they're like, Koro-sensei. Yeah, this is a that's a weird that's a weird manga. I will say that that book is just straight up weird because the concept should not work, and yet twenty volumes later, I'm like super into it still. It's so good. <laughs> it's so, that's one of those like series when you were like you know every book follows a trope. I was like, dude, read Assassination Classroom because what? True. <laughs> True. I I gotta say you're saying like oh it's so weird like he's like hopping over the world at light speed, but you're actually describing a Winnie the Pooh Christmas story that I had as a child. <laughs> Hold on. What? <laughs> okay. So uh, at, at ye old scholastic book fair once upon a time, mm-hmm. I saw that there was like a, a Winnie the Pooh like Christmas tales book that was for sale. So I was like, mom, we need to get this. So my, my mother graciously bought it for me because she was encouraging me to read anything that I wanted to read. And it's mm-hmm. like a collection of like five Christmas themed stories about like Winnie the Pooh and his friends. And so the Winnie the Pooh centric story was uh, Winnie the Pooh, like having like wanting a bedtime snack on Christmas Eve, realizing that he's eaten all of his honey, going to bed and then waking up because uh, like having eaten one of Santa's cookies because he's like, well, Santa will understand because I'm hungry. And he falls asleep in a chair in front of the fire and Santa Claus like wakes him up and he's like, Pooh, I have a problem. And Pooh is like, Santa Claus, what are you talking about? <laughs> and Santa Claus is like, I'm full. I'm like halfway through my trip around the world to bring presents to everyone and I'm really full. Can you come with me and eat all this food? So then the rest of the story is Pooh like eating all this food around the world in one night while Santa Claus is like delivering (laughs) presents for the children. (laughs) So so you're like, this is weird. I'm like, what are you talking about? I read this story for like my entire childhood. This isn't weird. This is a totally legit thing. I absolutely want to travel around the world in one night eating all the food. This sounds like a great manga. No, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I know that it's not. Definitely, it an, sounds like a great manga. Definitely an excellent one shot, if anything. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's and you know, I feel like we. I need to bring up the thing that people are probably going to call me out on if I don't, and that's a lot of characters are actually named after food in manga. Yeah, right. Oh, like all like the characters think of, in Dragon Ball Z. All the characters in Wait, Dragon really? Ball Z. Yeah. yeah. So Kakarot, Kakarot is Goku's name. Kakarot is uh, carrot. Vegeta carrot. is vegetable. 
Um, piccolo, I think, is a Japanese word for cucumber. That's probably wrong. People are going to let me know about it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Gohan is uh, rice. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Yeah. This is yeah, it's my mind. I knew Krillin... it was a carrot thing, but I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. I, yeah. Raditz is I, I mean, uh, radish. Mm-hmm. And isn't Naruto, isn't that a thing? Isn't Naruto in a food as well? Yeah, Naruto is an ingredient in ramen. Right, Go back okay. to deconstructing my childhood. What about Dragon Ball? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of it revolves so around food. Just, so everyone's just talking about food yeah. the whole time. Yeah, because originally it was kind of... So it was, it was Akira Toriyama's second series, and his first series, Dr. Slump, was kind of a gag manga. And um, so Dragon Ball started out as kind of like this adventure, and it was kind of like a gag manga as well. So a lot of the names are puns of food. Yeah. Like, I, I'm looking at an article right now, like, Goku, we said Kakarot is, is carrot, is a pun, Vegeta is vegetables, Radish is radish, uh, <laughs> uh, Jis, which is apparently one of the, the Ginyu force, oh, yeah. his name is a derivative of, of cheese, or Jisu, which is a derivative of Chisu, which is cheese, a Birder is like an offshoot of Bata, which is an off, offshoot word for butter, um... <laughs> <laughs> Rakum, which is Rikumu, is the Japanese word for cream. Wait. Uh, <laughs> Goldo, which is Gorudo, which is derived from Yogaruto, which is yogurt. <laughs> it all Wait a like... I want to go back to I want to go back to Goku and Vegeta because they always yes. had that rivalry going, and mm-hmm. uh, so Goku is is a carrot, but Vegeta is all of the vegetables. Yeah, because he's the so prince yeah. of all things. He's the king. He's the prince yeah. of right. all vegetables. <laughs> Okay, this makes sense now. No wonder he's got a complex about Goku being more powerful because he's like, yeah. "No, I'm all the vegetables." All yeah, of their them. planet, their planet was called Vegeta, right? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to mention, like, one of the big things about Goku is that he loves to eat. Like, if we're still tying it back to food, like, yeah. all he does is eat right. uh, to the point where Chi Chi just beats him up because he ate all the food before she actually got to sit down like that's like a whole thing in in that manga as well i think like eating yeah. is a core concept in a lot of manga yeah. so no matter like what you're reading 11. yeah a lot of right. the time the main character will have like an endless stomach and so they'll eat just lots of food to like regain their strength so saiyans are also kind of basically like bottomless pits so like there's a episode i think in dbz at the like in the right before the Boo saga, where Gohan, Goku, and Vegeta sit down to eat, and they basically clean out this entire restaurant because they're just yeah. That's <laughs> great. That was a really accurate sound effect, Renee. Yes, thank, thank you, you Renee. <laughs> oh man, I it's you got to get the bites right because then you can sit down with your friends and you take that first big bite and it throws them and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect little like how. Well, you know, I decided, you know, I said earlier that everyone should read manga, but if Renee is proof that you should read manga, don't. Because. <laughs> mean. I'm kidding. Aww. I love you, Renee. I'm glad that you're embracing this. This is fantastic. Um, I mean, t- tons of other books. Like, there's a book that I just, or a series I just finished reading called Monster. There's a whole big chunk of that book, or a section of the book dedicated to these loner characters who all came from different countries and they all live in this kind of. Um, hostile like place and one of the focuses that the thing that brings them all together as a group is that they all from start making food native from their country so like someone's from china someone's from vietnam someone's from um poland someone's from hungary and they all make food from where they come from and so the main character in the series monster i should say one of the main characters he's from japan and so when he ends up crashing with these people for a short while on his hunt to go kill this terrible person um, because that's what the story's about uh he makes them all i think he makes tonkatsu i think i want to say i think he makes some katsu of some kind and uh everyone is blown away oh you fry the pork and then you put it over rice and he, he was like yeah this is a regular food and they're like well you have to come back and make it for us because there's also charming little elements like that whereas little kids they just love him because whatever but food it's a big thing i just wanted to make sure i plug that one because i love that series and everyone should read monster it's one of the most fantastic suspense suspense stories you can read out there i just uh, i love that book and i just finished it but anyways <laughs> <laughs> food and manga it's a whole thing um i don't know do you guys have any final thoughts about food and manga i think we've kind of we've run through things quite a bit we know that it's intricately drawn we know it's a very important part of culture but what are your final thoughts here i've learned so much about dragon ball this day 
<laughs> like, Good. my mind is still reeling. <laughs> what about you, Renee? Well, so the, the last thing that I want to say about food and manga is that it also is almost like its own character in just passing through all of it. And it also kind of emphasizes on... It actually helps deepen other characters in other series. Like in uh, in One Piece, um, which is a series about pirates who are really bad at being pirates, uh, but they're heroes <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's great. But like um, the main character, Luffy, loves food. Specifically, he loves meat. And it's great every time he talks about it. And they have their own chef on the on the pirate ship, and he caters to every single person on the ship, even if they're like not part of the crew. He finds out what they like because he likes serving food that they will enjoy to them, and uh, and it's always really wonderful. And there's this uh, there's this part where they've got another pirate on the ship, and he's just traveling with them, and they're like arguing about something serious, and the chef's like, you know. I'm going to make breakfast. We're going to have sandwiches. And they all ask for their specific sandwich. Like there's a little talking reindeer that wants cotton candy sandwich. And okay. it's it's really goofy. <laughs> and so they're asking and then they're like, oh, by the way, La, what would you want? And he's like getting – he's trying not to get caught up in their craziness. And they're just talking about it. And he finally just shouts, I don't like bread. And then he gets like just <laughs> – he gets like super upset because he's like, no. No, I got caught up in their crap. No. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just fantastic. But, like, you know, food also helps just explain these characters. Like, Naruto, he loves Ichiraku ramen. He loves it. It's, like, the only thing he eats. And uh, in Black Clover, there's a character who loves food, and she's really strong, but they can't get her to do anything because she's only thinking about food. But, <laughs> but also her magic is is also food as well. Like she, the things that she creates, like she can do battle magic, but she also can create food for other people to eat and it restores their mana. So it's like, Oh, her entire being revolves around food. And, um, there's all kinds of different series where they're like, Oh, I didn't know this character could cook. And in the, the character will explain why they know how to cook. And it sort of shows you another character development. Like, Oh, maybe they are more responsible in this way or, Hey, they, went without in this area so they had to make up for it and you just kind of learn about those things through why these people eat certain things why they make certain things and it all just kind of revolves around food so it kind of becomes like its own character in every manga and it's it's just really fun to see the way that people kind of play with that because we all eat and it's just yes it's just kind of cool to see like all the ways that you can play with that yeah, that's I. You know, I think that's a great that's a great way to sum this all up, Renee. I really appreciate that, man. Just doing my job. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, you know, what? if you, I'm gonna just run through the credits now. So, you know, if you can follow us all on Twitter, you can follow Kara at Kara SM. You can follow Renee at Rodriguez29. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We post things, retweet things. We've got an Instagram under the same account, so IRCB Podcast on Instagram as well. Make sure to go follow us there. You can check out our Goodreads group. We have weekly threads. This week's thread was "Help Me Understand Heavy Vinyl." I don't even know what that's about, but I'm gonna, so you should too. Uh, don't forget to check us out at the ircbpodcast.com where we have our pronunciation guide and merch and lots more that you can check out. Please rate our show, subscribe, and tell your friends. Share our good work. If you haven't rated us, why not? Please do. It helps us. Do it for my birthday. Uh, you can email the show <laughs> with comments, questions, jokes, happy birthday wishes, etc. at ircb at destroythesibe.org or subscribe on our Patreon for a birthday present for me at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast which also gives you access to exclusive audio and articles, early access to top of my pile posts, and more. Think of me. It is my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for the show. Thank you guys for your continued support of IRA Comic Books. Xander, he's a fun guy, super fun person to be around. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Kara and Renee, and happy birthday, Kara. Thank it's, you. It's it's today when people are listening to this. Yes, it is. <laughs> happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. <laughs> and until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next week.
I've got a quick question. Yes. Is Nathan Gray in the Age of X-Men books? Nathan Gray is the focal character in all of the Age of X-Men books. Then I'm getting them all. All right. Renee, see, this is... So... Who that? Nate, Nate Gray, mm-hmm. same name as Cable, mm-hmm. he who is also called Nathan Gray. Mm-hmm. This is a different Nathan Gray. Nate mm-hmm. Gray... Mm-hmm also known as X-Man. Yeah, he is. Singular. He okay. is a character who was born of Gene and Scott, and he was basically created during the Age of Apocalypse storyline. Oh, right? I read that. Yes. I That's was gonna why say, his name I, sounds familiar. You probably know who this character is. He has, like, un- infinite power because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. plot device, right? Yeah, sure. he's well, the strongest character. The prelude to this... Yeah, the prelude to this, funny you say that, Renee, because Legion's also involved in this story. Oh, man! Yeah, so the prelude to this whole story it was an Uncanny X-Men that ran for 10 weeks straight. Literally, not like not taking a week off, where it was 10 weeks in a row of X-Men books, or X-Men, Uncanny X-Men. Nate Gray gonna... shows up, and yeah. it turns out he's dying, and so he says, before I go, I'm going to fix the whole world. And so he creates his horsemen of not the apocalypse but of life and it's magneto blob uh red omega or omega red and who was the fourth one angel (laughs) Uh, uh, of course (laughs) yes and they're going to remake the world which is the x-men are like you can't just kill people who work on a big rig who are making oil you can't just do that and he's like maybe i can Sorry, go ahead. They no, also no, no, destroyed no. all of the world's popular religions, Catholicism, like the like they destroy Mecca, they destroy uh Israel, they destroy Rome, like It'd be very unpopular. <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird book and sure. it led into this whole well Legion shows up and is like, "Hey guys, I'm the only person that can help." So he fights Nate Gray in a mental universe because you psychics and um at the end, Nate Gray says, you know what? Screw this. No more X-Men. And then he remakes the world. Oh. But he doesn't say it like that. He doesn't say no more mutants. It's not like a Wanda Maximoff situation. Sure. It's a little bit different. So we're in like an alternate universe. A different kind of genocide. Yeah. It's a di- well, and it's not like humans were killed off. It's that everyone instead became a mutant. Uh-huh. And so what if mutants were like the only thing available? Default. And Yeah, but there's some like shady business going so on. And my little Hero bit- Academia? Kind of, but not nearly as lighthearted. Um, it's it's a. I mean, Renee. I think, given given what I know about you, you'll probably dig all of this stuff. I think you'll be super into just like the over the top ridiculousness of it. And it's also X Men, so there's always like someone brooding and some bad, you know, clone character. But it's all around Nate Gray. He's like a focal character in. in the whole series. In. So my I'm my in it to win it. I'm like jazz now. I love it. No, my my question, which is definitely spawned because Renee and I were talking about romance novels before you came back on, is, is Nate Gray hot? Because the yes. name oh Nathan God. Gray sounds like a super hot name. He's so Listen, hot. the way that he's so hot in this series. Let me just, I'm going to send you a cover really quick and you tell me <laughs> whether or not you think he's hot. I have his action okay. figure and his action figure is hot. Oh, no, no, Renee, we're talking about a new <laughs> Nate Gray. Okay, so here's an old Nate Gray I'm going to send you, okay? Okay. This is what he used to look like. Wait, hold on. Uh, I'm putting this in the Skype chat. Chat, chat, found it. I don't it. even know how to find that again. Wait, where is it? I don't. I, oh yeah, there's no, a little thing it, in the bottom left-hand corner. No, it didn't. It didn't show up. Oh, there we go. I said, okay, okay. that's oh. that's what Nate Gray used to look like. Okay, bangable. Okay. Go on. <laughs> yes, uh, he had an eight-pack and everything. Nate Gray in 2019 looks like this. Did it not work? Yeah, there you go. Jesus. Literally, Jesus. He's Jesus. I don't know how I feel about that. That's hot Jesus, though. He is, he's hot, hot Jesus. So they they made him like hipster daddy X-Man. Yeah, that's exactly. And people are loving it. People are eating it Of course they are. They gave Nightcrawler a beard and it became an internet sensation. I know. Is that Dark Nightcrawler or is, is Kurt alive again? Kurt is alive. Actually, in this new Age of X-Men, he is a movie star. <gasps> He's not a priest? It's called the Amazing... Oh, right, oh they no. got rid of religion. Renee, a... they got rid His of whole thing with religion is like a piece of the story. I'm really excited about it. I'm it's really good. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I kind of want to tie this guy up and cut his hair off like Paul Delilah. 
I know. Like, and especially if you Good look at that reference. old picture where he kind of is like, he's got the little streak in his hair, like rogue, and he just let it grow out. Like, what a dupe. <laughs> Dye your hair, dude. <laughs> I don't think they ever explained why he has that. No. Aesthetics. No. It's just yeah, there. 90s. And he's got the he's got so the 90s. one eye thing because it's Cyclops' power, but it's yellow. But it also can Wait, do yeah. psychic attacks. <laughs> this is very sexually confusing, Mike. I know. <laughs> Welcome to my whole life reading X-Men. Uh, <laughs> also, randomly, does Hellion still have no hands? So what? he hasn't he hasn't been around for a while, and I don't think they ever retconned that. So I, he's but for the last time I saw him, he had just like metallic robot hands. Yeah, so Kara, long story short, this cool psychic dude who was like a super dickhead, hmm. um, he lost his hands during a fight during the Age of X, which was another story where um, there was like a fake world that had limits because whoever created it didn't have a lot of power. And so there was just all the X and were in this never ending war where they were constantly stalemating against robots. Rogue and Magneto rekindled an old like relationship and Hellion and X-23 were kind of dating and he lost his hands right after or right before that. I can't remember. Like he put his hands on a bomb to try to stop it and you lose your hands when that happens. Uh, Usually the rest of you. (laughs) The X-Men are crazy, yo. Yeah. Also from this, just from this conversation, I'm going to assume that they're all queer. Just, I mean, as a baseline assumption. It's it's probably a safe assumption to say that most of the X Men are bi. Like, <laughs> look, everyone's sleeping with everybody. It's like the big yeah, brother kinda. house, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all right. So let's let's talk food about food and manga. Food and manga. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should just turn it into XXX Men. Oh no! I'd need to do a little bit more preparation just for my own sanity so that I could. <laughs> We already did this two weeks ago. We had That's the a wrap, Xander. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about food and manga. Yeah, um, don't let me talk about the X-Men. I'll just take it all into the sex dungeon. It's just going to be called the Sex Men episode. And... <laughs> oh, my God.